We absolutely expect there to be some big position battles during New Orleans Saints 2023 training camp, but one player's seat might be a little bit hotter than we anticipated. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a daily episode. And if you want to keep the conversation going one-on-one with me, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on saints. Take part in some of our film study work, our Q&As, all the other stuff going on over there as well. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You can also find me every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday. Unlocked on Saints. And on today's episode, it's Friday. We usually go through in case you missed it, but not a bunch of stories today. But there is one out there, and it's Derek Carr sounding off on the Las Vegas Raiders, as well as a really nice connection between he and Cam Jordan. So we're going to discuss that to close out the episode. But before we get to all that, I want to take a look at some potential reunions for the New Orleans Saints. Quan Alexander, uh, PJ Williams, Jarvis Landry are those names that we could see back in New Orleans this offseason. I'll tell you why I don't think so. But first, I want to start off here with left guard, starting offensive lineman for the New Orleans Saints, Andrus Pete, because Andrus Pete's seat might be hotter than any of us really anticipated going into mandatory minicamps, OTAs, things like that. And with training camp right around the corner, there's a chance that Andrus Pete gets pushed for his starting job. So here's the way that I want to look at this. And this all comes down to the New Orleans Saints trading up to make the very first selection of day three. I can't stress that enough. The New Orleans Saints were down in the middle of that fourth round or yeah, the middle of that fourth round and decided to jump up all the way to pick 103, which was the very, very, very first selection of day three. That meant that when the New Orleans Saints walked away at the end of day two and they looked at their board, when they came back the next day and made that move with the Bears in order to move up to 103, whoever was at the very, very top of the board, the New Orleans Saints were unencumbered. There was no one going to be able to get in their way to keep them from drafting that player. And who was that player? Old Dominion offensive lineman Nick Saldaveri, the six foot six, 310 pound guy that can play just about any position you need him to on the field. Over at Old Dominion, he played right tackle, but he's played on the interior as well at both left guard and right guard when he was at the Senior Bowl working with you know Nagy and all the others out there over at the Senior Bowl, including New Orleans Saints coaching staff members. By the way, he was playing center. Jim Nagy believes that that's actually probably the best position that he's seen him play so far. Has a lot of really good things to say about Nick Saldaveri. And you have to take all of that with an understanding that the Saints are going into a 2023 season that's a contract year for both of their starting interior offensive linemen. And I know Nick Saldaveri played right tackle last year for Old Dominion, but Dennis Allen was very quick to say to us right after the draft, 
or right after that. Well, I guess it would be right after the draft because it was the end of the third day. Uh, but in his presser after the third day of the draft saying, we see him as an interior offensive lineman. So that could mean either guard spot and potentially center, but you would imagine that it's either guard spot. So how is it that the Saints are in position for Andrews Pete to be a guy that's potentially on the hot seat? Well, we have to define hot seat here. I don't mean that Andrews Pete is going to be traded. I don't mean that Andrews Pete is going to be cut. Those ideas would be a little bit cost prohibitive. They already have the Saints $7.346 million invested in Andrews Pete for this season, not including his $1.5 million base salary. Now, it is post-June 1 at this point, as we are here June 30th, almost a training camp, fingers crossed, very, not fingers crossed, but like, you know, whatever you do to celebrate, do that thing. Um, and so because of that, they, they could move off of him and then end up saving that $1.5 million or because you've already got seven $7.3 million invested in the guy, keep him on the roster, but you're not married to him necessarily being your starter anymore. You don't have to be. At that price tag, you can have a highly paid, highly skilled backup that can end up being out there. And if he gets beat by a guy like Nick Saldaveri for that left guard spot, or somebody else comes in and competes there, or the Saints do something else to shake up their offensive line, as Nick Saldaveri has mostly been practicing throughout OTAs, mandatory minicamps, rookie minicamps and stuff like that at right guard, or not really OTAs and minicamps now that I think about it because he had that injury, so he didn't participate then. But during during, uh, rookie minicamps, he participated at right guard more than he participated at left guard. But when the Saints kind of redid that contract with Andrews Pete, Andrews Pete effectively took a pay cut and then reduced the years of his contract so that he had added a couple of void years or converted some years into void years. His contract now voids after this season. So one way or another, I don't expect Andrews Pete to be in New Orleans in 2024, but what he does and what it looks like in 2023 could also look a little bit different depending upon how quickly Nick Saldaveri returns from that injury and can show what he can do and potentially show what he can do at left guard. A couple little things to keep in mind here when it comes to pass blocking efficiency for the New Orleans Saints. Pass blocking efficiency is a, a metric that a couple of different places use, most prominently PFF in terms of uh, looking at pressures that are allowed on a per snap basis that give a greater weight towards sacks. So sacks count against that player's efficiency rating differently and at a greater weight than a hurry, for instance. And so the Saints actually ranked 12th in the NFL there. And you have to consider all of the injuries that they dealt with on the offensive line, just like we mentioned not too long ago in our offensive line breakdown. If you consider Trevor Penning was supposed to be the starter at left tackle, if you believe that that was the case, which Looked like it was headed that way throughout the preseason. Then the Saints technically never got a full, got never got a single snap with all five of their offensive line as they expected it to look in terms of their starting five. And so the fact that they were able to perform that way, despite all those injuries, and Andrew Speed himself missed five games last year, it gives you a little bit of hope that maybe like shaking something up over on the offensive line to help take that one little step forward all of a sudden gets them into the top 10 of that metric. And we're talking two spots up. And by the way, it's not a huge deal either. When we're looking at them at number 12 at 86.5, number 10 was Kansas City at 86.9 with that grade. So a half a point difference there. And all of a sudden, the Saints are in the top 10 in terms of pass rush or pass blocking productivity. And then similarly, you look at where Andrus Pete uh, struggled last year and it was in pass protection. He was a pretty solid run blocker. But we're looking at games where he you know, took 20 snaps and gave up you know, a hit or, you know, he's got three sacks, three hits that he surrendered over the course of just 327 uh, pass blocking snaps in addition to nine hurries. So 
he gave up quite a bit in terms of what you're looking at. I mean, we can flip over, we can flip the script here and we can look at Nick Saldaveri, understanding that he was playing a different position on a different side of the line, but we can see 455 snaps, not a single snap, uh, not a single sack given up last year, only two hits. And he gave up eight, 16 hurries, but you'll take the hurries over the hits and sacks any, any, any day. And if you look at that further in terms of true pass sets, which eliminates those screen passes and bootleg rollouts and stuff like that, still nothing. No sacks, two hits, 13 hurries, not a big deal. And both of them in the true pass sets hit the same level of pass blocking efficiency as well. Now, they play two different positions. I understand that. But when we look at these guys over the course of training camp, this might be a little bit more of a prominent position battle, if you will, than maybe we're anticipating going into training camp. So we'll see how this all works out. But a big name to watch over the course of this offseason is going to be offensive lineman Andrews Pete to see how his injury recovery goes. Can he stay healthy? And does he potentially get pushed or at least have the competition that forces him to you know, take some strides, make some strides, all of those things in order for him to hold on to that left guard spot? In any case, the New Orleans Saints could be in a situation here to where they're looking at a shakeup or at least some improved play on the offensive line as long as these guys stay healthy. Coming up next, are there any potential reunions that the New Orleans Saints might still look to embark upon over the course of this offseason? There are some options out there, but it kind of feels like if that those types of things were going to happen, that they would have happened already. Let's take a look at that a little bit deeper as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The MLB season is in full swing, and if you want to get in on the action and be maybe one of the first times that you've gotten in on the action, Right now is the time for you to head over to FanDuel today because if you're a first-time customer betting MLB over on FanDuel, then you're going to be able to get 10 times your first bet back in bonus bets. That's up to $200. So that means that if you put down 20 bucks on something, you're going to end up getting $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose, no matter what. So you're going to end up having that $200 that you can spend on everything from the money line to over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run in a game. So much for you to check out all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. You ain't got to wait for nothing. So there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today over at FanDuel.com slash locked on NFL to get that $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, to all the everydayers out there making us your first listen of the day every day. We'll be back with you on Monday to get you caught up with everything you need to know around the New Orleans Saints and taking a deeper look at the Saints' biggest questions. That's been our uh, trend over on Monday. So let me know what your biggest questions are around the New Orleans Saints, and we'll get to some of those questions that still face the roster, questions that still face the team, things like that. And also, if you want to get in on some of our film studies, we broke down Paulson and Debo as well as Alante Taylor and sort of what that cornerback battle is going to look like, the qualities of both. We took a look at uh, Carl Granderson's sacks. We're looking at a couple of other things as well uh, over the weekend. You can find all of that over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on at Saints. So I, I want to move here to a, a question that or it's not really the same question that I get every time, but it is it is something or a theme of questions that I get every now and then. And it's kind of this idea of reunions for the New Orleans Saints. And 
that that was a theme a couple of off seasons ago to where the Saints brought back a bunch of guys they were super comfortable with and that they knew really well and things like that. But then the next year, the trend kind of became the LSU Tigers editions, right? That was Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry and all that. This year, the trend has really been who are guys that Derek Carr is comfortable with and familiar with, um, believes in, wants to have in the locker room, things like that. That's kind of been the trend so far this year. And it's led to a lot of folks being like, oh, well, the Saints aren't going to be any good if they just become the Las Vegas Raiders all over again. And But they're they're not, right? Like they're entirely a different team by every single measure. And so them bringing in guys that he's comfortable with has just been a little bit of Taylor making your roster for your quarterback. That's not out of the ordinary. We're watching the the the, the uh, Jets do the same thing in in New York with with Aaron Rodgers, for instance. So it doesn't feel like reunion has been the or familiarity has been sort of the um, the trend for the New Orleans Saints this offseason. But there are some interesting players that they could potentially look at to reunite with. The first of which that I'll mention is is wide receiver Jarvis Landry, and Jarvis Landry is an interesting one because he's not really had anything going on this offseason. Like there's been no noise around Jarvis Landry this offseason. And that's interesting because he did end the season on injured reserve. So it makes you wonder if maybe there's still some injury rehabilitation that he's going through, things like that, that he's having to uh, kind of navigate and deal with. But it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what happens with Jarvis Landry. But I don't see Jarvis Landry returning to the New Orleans Saints this offseason. Jarvis Landry, a Jarvis Landry reunion feels like one of those things that if he's still a free agent partway through the season and the Saints deal with some injuries at the position, that they potentially give him a call to see if they can bring him up or bring him back. That would be a situation where I can see that reunion happening, but I don't think that it happens before or during training camp. I, I want to take a little little page out of my good friend Peter Bukowski's book, who does our uh, Locked on Packers show here. And you know the, the Green Bay Packers are in a situation where they're about to walk into the 2023 season with one of the youngest passing cores, including quarterback, pass catchers, you know, like tight end and, um, and and wide receiver in the NFL. And there's a lot of people that are saying, well, they should go out and get a veteran to to be the veteran in the room and be that guy. And I've always kind of understood the idea of having a veteran player, but I've never really understood the idea of having a veteran player to be the leader in your locker room. The, the leaders in your locker room should be the guys that are there and should be the guys that are the one, like if you can't find a leader in your locker room, at a position group, then you haven't built the position group properly. And so sure, maybe then you have to go and do that. But also if you're looking for leadership, that's kind of what the coaches are for. Like the New Orleans Saints have Michael Thomas, but above Michael Thomas and beyond Michael Thomas, they've got Cody Burns. And beyond them, they have the rest of the offensive coaching staff and they have Dennis Allen. Like that's their job to be those leaders. And so coming into something with, you know, a young passing core and things like that, which the New Orleans Saints kind of are at this point. I mean, Michael Thomas is you know, right there around 30, but you've got young guys in Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid, and now you've added guys like Shaq Davis and others, A.T. Perry, of course. So you've built kind of a younger wide receiver core, or at least you've invested heavily in young talent on your wide receiver core. Let's say it that way. And I don't think that that's a bad approach to take. So while I understand and appreciate the value of a Jarvis Landry, I don't know that the New Orleans Saints really have a need for a Jarvis Landry on the roster right now, unless they want to figure out maybe their slot spot a little bit more, but that didn't really work for New Orleans last year either. So I don't think the Saints will be in a rush to reunite with Jarvis Landry, but he's probably the one that feels the most likely if something were to happen mid-season and he's still available. Two other players are over on the defensive side, Quan Alexander, former New Orleans Saints linebacker, and then PJ Williams, who you know was drafted by the Saints and then signed like 90 three one-year contracts after his rookie deal was up. 
everything. But I feel like PJ Williams has effectively been replaced in this defense. And if you want to know by who, the answer is yes. Um, Jordan Howden absolutely is one of those guys. He can play multiple positions. Smoke Monday can play multiple positions. I don't know that he replaces PJ Williams the way that Jordan Howden does, but just somebody else that has that same type of versatility. Uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr., ton of versatility and ability to move around. So the Saints have kind of uh, Jonathan Abram is a little bit there. Ugo Amadi is a little bit there too. So I think that the Saints have done a good job addressing the idea of versatile defensive back and kind of don't have to fall back to the one-year deal for P.J. Williams again. But it was a lot of fun watching P.J. Williams come into the NFL, struggle as an outside corner, and then all of a sudden, like 2017-ish, excel at, at in, in the slot. And then by 2019, he's learning a new position at safety and rebranding his career again. That was really cool to watch. But it does seem like those days might be over in terms of the New Orleans Saints-PJ Williams relationship. The Quan Alexander one's a really interesting one because if you want somebody that's going to be able to be in coverage behind uh, Pete Werner and um, and Demario Davis, Quan's probably a really good option for you. But if the Saints feel like they can get Quan-like play from Demarco Jackson, they'll probably go that route. It's a cheaper route. Um, it's a guy that you've already invested in. He's on who's on a rookie deal. You've already kind of started teaching him all these positions over the course of the offseason. All those things. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints go for a veteran linebacker, but I don't know that it's going to be a veteran linebacker that expects to start somewhere. Like, a, you know, I mentioned Deion Jones a lot because he would be a good fit, but I think Deion Jones is going to wait for a starting opportunity, and rightfully so. Like, I would understand that. But maybe a Corey Littleton or something like that makes sense. Maybe Quan's at that point in his career to where he's okay taking a, a backup role behind Pete Werner and behind Demario Davis, but he also might not be. And it feels like if that reunion was going to happen, that reunion would have happened already. That's definitely one that feels like it's the least likely. The PJ Williams one, I can almost see similar to the Jarvis Landry one to where like if something happens mid-season and he's still available, the Saints would definitely call him up or bring him onto the practice squad or something like that as one of the, the veterans on your practice squad. I would completely see that when it comes to a PJ Williams. I'm not sure that we'll see that when it comes to a Quan Alexander, uh, but it's at the same time, it's probably out of wide receiver, defensive back and linebacker, these three positions. That linebacker is probably the one that needs the biggest the most amount of attention. So maybe you're going to find the Saints going out and finding a veteran, but I don't know if Quan is the veteran that they go out and uh, and seek. And I don't know if Quan wants the role that he would have in New Orleans either when he could potentially get a larger role somewhere else. All right, coming up next, we're going to wrap up today's show with uh, a look at some of Derek Carr's interesting comments as he kind of sounds off on the Raiders, but also shares a little bit about one of the most special things, um, one of the more special things about the New Orleans Saints uh, as well. So we got that coming up for you as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at Derek Carr, who absolutely sounded off in all honesty, brought a lot of honesty to the table about uh, the way that things ended with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders and also gives a little bit of insight into how it how he believes that that experience is going to kind of benefit him here in New Orleans. So as a lot of folks know, the Las Vegas Raiders kind of just gave up on Derek Carr. Uh, they benched him with two games left in the season to get a look at Jarrett Stidham, like he really needed a look at Jarrett Stidham. Um, and it really bugged Derek Carr. And I'm, I'm looking at this piece here from the Fresno Bee, which of course is, you know, Fresno is where he, he played college football, all those other things. Um, and it's clear that it had a major impact, not only on him, but it had an impact on his family as well. At one point he was asked, um, you know, if they would have 
kind of changed their mind and brought you and, and decided to try to bring you back? Like, would you go and everything? And like, his answer is kind of lukewarm. It's kind of like, or would you have gone if they would have changed their mind? You know, had to change your heart. And um, yeah, his answer is a little lukewarm because he's kind of like, yeah, I kind of had already made the decision to move on there. But maybe if I did, it would have been for the love of the friend, my friends that I have there. And then he went on to like name some of the players that he's good friends with that are a part of that roster, including like Max Crosby and of course, Devontae Adams, who he went to college with and all these other things. But one of the things that he mentioned too is that like, look, once once the Raiders kind of made the decision to move on from him and and and, and it like hurt him and it hurt his family, he said like, once they made my wife cry, I'm, I was done. Like I was finished, which like admirable, Derek, like seriously, like hell yeah, dude, like I'm with you 100% on that. And so I, I'm just like looking at this piece and you're seeing a lot of things about how he's happy that he's with a stable organization that's been proven uh, for years and that he hopes that the Raiders find something there too. In uh, that like, he loves the idea of how the New Orleans Saints are kind of organized and that like the, the organization has its stability and stuff. And one of the things that he says is uh, something that I thought was really kind of self-aware. We've seen this from Derek Carr a ton over the course of OTAs and minicamp and things like that when we talk to him, just kind of the self-awareness and kind of the humble nature of, of who he is. But, but what he says here is if you win more games and you keep being productive, you stay there forever. But we didn't win enough games. And that's the kind of stuff that happens with all the turnover of coaches with all the different things. So it's a little bit of an awareness of like, yeah, look, this happens sometimes when you don't win games the way that you're expected to win games. And I didn't win games the way that I was expected to win games with that team. But then also acknowledging that like, I had to play with like 20 different coaches while I was there. <laughs> and so things were constantly changing. It was an unstable organization. So it brings us back to organizational stability, which was obviously very important to him. Um, here's that quote. Once they made my wife cry, that was pretty much over. Once they made her cry, that was it. That was, I was out. Like that's, that's pretty dope. And for the love of the teammates and things like that, he probably would have gone back. But if they would have even had the, uh, the change of heart at one point, but it didn't really have that opportunity. And one of the other things that he mentioned is that like, look, he would have taken less money. So think back to the, the Drew Brees years where Drew would, you know, sign for a, a little bit under market value and stuff like that to help save the Saints money so that they could go and sign additional players. Tom Brady did this forever throughout his career as well. It sounds like, it sounds like Derek Carr would have been willing to do that as well, but never really got the opportunity. He wanted to stay in Las Vegas and continue to play in front of those fans he would have taken less money. That wouldn't have been a problem, he says, but he never really got the opportunity to say that. And so this takes me to sort of just the like respect you have to have in contract negotiations and things like that. It, it also brings me back to Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, the former Detroit Lions running back that signed with the New Orleans Saints this offseason during his introductory press conference, who said that the, the negotiations that he had with the Detroit Lions before he ended up you know, signing with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, was disrespectful and that he felt disrespected by those. And I dug further into that. Was it the offer that was disrespectful or was it the manner at which things were handled that was disrespectful? And he was pretty, it, it sounds a lot like it was the manner that negotiations were handled that were pretty disrespectful. And so I think you look at that, you look at something like what Derek Carr went through to where like he didn't even get an opportunity to say, hey, I'll take less money. Like if it's a money thing, it's fine. Like I, I, we can make it work, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and what happened with both of those guys? Well, they end up in New Orleans and they end up with an organization that wanted to work with them and that their pitch in terms of convincing them to sign with the team is that there is no pitch. It's just the truth. The Saints want you on their team. Like that, that was basically the way that the Saints recruited these guys. They basically said, quote, we want you to be with us. 
We want you to be our quarterback. We want you to be our running back. That's the way that they sold themselves to these players. And so they both come from these situations to where they're having a wonderful time with their organizations. And all of a sudden, their organizations just kind of proved in some way that they just didn't want them anymore. And so they so quickly went from being unwanted by the teams that they had just you know put everything on the line for to being wanted, desired, like all of those things from the New Orleans Saints. And so you think about like coming out of a bad relationship where you don't feel wanted and then getting into a new relationship where you do feel wanted and you do feel appreciated. That's how these guys were. Like it's such a it's such an interesting kind of like peek behind the curtain to hear what an organization didn't provide so that you can fill in the gaps and the holes in terms of what this organization is providing. And it's very clear and it's very obvious. Um you know, the way that he he looks at the New Orleans Saints so far is that it was a great offseason. Team really came together with work on the football field. It was very competitive. Uh, it's one of the more competitive as many camps as I've ever been a part of. So that was a pretty cool thing to read because I know that there's always kind of been some concern about, well, not always been some concern, but when you when you change over from coaches and you come from a really intense coach like Dennis, uh, excuse me, like Peyton, like Sean Peyton, I almost said Peyton Turner. Uh, when you come from like a really competitive, really intense coach like Sean Payton to a guy like Dennis Allen, who's a little bit more player oriented, like he's still intense. The the practices are still heated. The, like the practices are still urgent. Like there's still a sense of urgency there for sure. But he's a little bit more like, you know, player coach kind of guy and everything. And I think it works well for what the New Orleans Saints have right now. So to hear something like it's one of the more competitive as many camps have ever been a part of. We have so many veterans that are really trying to prove it every single day, and they're trying to beat each other every day. They're talking trash. It was uh, so competitive and so fun to be a part of that it's just a good sign for kind of where the Saints are right now heading into training camp and things like that. The last thing that I'll mention here was a really cool comment that came from Cam Jordan in a Sirius XM radio uh, interview, some of our partners here at the Locked On uh, Podcast Network over at Sirius XM, um, where he said that he vows to get uh, Derek Carr back to Las Vegas in 2024 for the Super Bowl. Now, are the New Orleans Saints a Super Bowl potential team? That's There's a whole lot of wait and see there. But Cam Jordan said that his expectation is Super Bowl. And that's what every player's expectation should be with every team, by the way. Every player should believe that they're going to win a Super Bowl this year. But it was a really cool comment because the 2024 Super Bowl, which by the way, takes place on February, February 11th, happy birthday to me, uh, on February 11th, we're going to get a Super Bowl in. Um, but it, it just kind of the the wherewithal to be able to say, yeah, the, the Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. Derek just got here from Las Vegas. We're taking him back to Vegas for a Super Bowl win. And that that's the attitude that Cam Jordan has. And that meant a lot to um, to Derek as well, where he said, uh, for a defensive leader to say that, that he wants to take me back there, just shows, uh, just shows his heart. Uh, that's his love for his teammates. And that's something that Derek Carr absolutely appreciates and talks about all the time is kind of the love for teammates. Um, you know, Colin Saunders talked a bunch about that. Cam Jordan's always been about that. Demario Davis has always been about that, all of that. So really cool stuff here just to kind of see him speak a little bit more openly about what happened with Las Vegas, which kind of gives, gives you as a Saints fan a bit of an understanding of what he left and what he's arriving to in New Orleans and how the Saints can provide something that maybe the Raiders didn't. So it just gives you a little bit of a comparison there. So really, really cool stuff. And I know there's a lot of I'll say former Raiders fans or still Raiders fans that are new Saints fans because they love Derek Carr and because they wanted to follow Derek Carr that now watch the show, listen to the show and everything like that. And so I think maybe that kind of resonates for those fans as well, who maybe didn't like the way that things ended with the Las Vegas Raiders, but hope that he's in a better situation here in New Orleans. And everything that we've seen so far says that, 
But everything that this says and everything that Derek Carr is saying kind of proves that and solidifies that as well. So if you're coming over just as a Derek Carr fan, it's pretty clear that your guy is in a better situation than the one that he left. And, and that's probably what you're hoping for for him. All right, y'all, I appreciate you as always for coming through for another episode of Locked on Saints. Make us your first listen of the day every day. For all the everydayers out there, we're back on Monday with some more of the biggest questions around the New Orleans Saints. Send me your questions so we can get those involved. Don't forget, you can catch up film studies, uh, yeah, additional research, uh, uh, exclusive Q&As, a whole bunch of stuff that you can get in on over at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints if you want to find another way to support the show. And then I'm just trying to make sure that I find more ways to get back to you. And it's going to get a lot more interesting during training camp too. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. So make sure you go and check that out. Appreciate you as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.